Hi, welcome to our NFL Pick Show, where our NFL crew takes a look at the whole Week 10 schedule, which includes a red-hot Titans defense, taking on Alvin Kamara and the Saints. Chase Young chasing down Tom Brady and the possible returns of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And a massive AFC West showdown between the Chiefs and the Raiders on Sunday night. It all comes to head on Monday night when the Rams take on the 49ers. So many teams are looking for rebound games and some surging as the Week 10 NFL schedule gets ready to kick off. The guys are here to share their favorite NFL picks, latest odds and the best bets. So without further ado, let's welcome Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellen. NFL Week 10 Pick Show, and guys, it's been upset after upset in the NFL lately. Last week, of course, the Jags over the Bills, the Broncos over the Cowboys, among plenty of others. Last night, to kick off Week 10, Miami takes down Baltimore, our teasers DOA, and it's a lot to try to comprehend in the NFL right now. Chris, I'm feeling kind of like Michael Scott over here. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Yeah, man, I've got an upset stomach, too. This is just getting ridiculous. We went through seven weeks without a single seven-point favorite losing outright. And the last several weeks, we've seen just some embarrassing performances by Buffalo and Baltimore and a few others that just did not show up at all. And And it's disconcerting to a lot of people right now because... It, 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 there's been a handful of games that have been just completely off the variance scale of like absolutely not showing up. And you just don't see that normally. So uh, it's a little disconcerting. And, and, and quite frankly, to be honest with you, it really just gives you the feeling of, I want my damn money back. You know, how am I going to get it back? I, you know, where can I find a way to, get that I, I that first leg of that teaser back and i actually bet the minus seven also and and it got up to nine nine and a half but you have to take this stuff in stride and you can't be angry you have to go methodically ahead and you can't overreact and be disgruntled and angry you just have to accept that that's the way it's going to be sometimes. And I have a long track record of winning, and I know that it'll correct. And you just have to stay strong, and you can't overreact and impulsively chase or try to get it back. Every single wager you place, you hey, you may lose that bet and expect to possibly lose that bet, and you can't let it affect you and it can't be something more than you can afford, and you can't let it emotionally send you in tailspins. Uh, yeah, you can be a little frustrated, but you got to be able to take it in stride. Yeah, and Scott, I mean, we're not robots over here, so we are going to have some of the emotions that Chris expressed right off the top, but I'm guessing as a long-term winning better, your approach to stretches like this aligns a lot with how Chris wrapped up his opening comments. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Like every year in the NFL, it seems like I always hear people saying, wow, this is a really weird year. This or that's happening. And, and I'm always pretty quick to just res- respond back like this is just the ebb and flow of what happens in a season. And you, you just kind of have to be prepared for it. I do feel this is a little bit different this year, but I still kind of put it into that category 
We kind of talked about on the Tuesday show a little bit. He had three teams winning last week, un- averaging under four yards of play in a game, you know, between 3.5 and 3.8. And two of those teams, Jacksonville beating a good Buffalo team, Tennessee beating a good Rams team. You know, Miami was the other one. Okay, they beat a bad Houston team. You can get away with that. But beating pretty good teams, averaging less than four yards of play, that is just weird. But, you know, you, you got to remember, and like I said, every year it seems like there's talk about something is weird in the NFL. And uh, it's just a weird year is what I hear all the time. Every year is weird. Every year has some you know, last year, the, the overs were hitting the first three, four weeks of the season, right? Then they regressed back down. It, In some ways, I think it always comes back a little bit back to normal. This one does feel a little bit different, but I think you've got to just, it's just the ebb and flow of the league. And as Chris said, if you kind of stick to what you do, if you have a sound fundamental model, um, ultimately it should win out in the long run. Yeah, there's going to be exceptions to that. Uh, you know, last point on this, I was talking to someone about a year ago, and we were talking about someone who had bad luck. And I'm like, well, he's, he's got bad luck for three years. And he said, you know, you can have bad luck for three years. It, it can happen, which seems, a, you know, a little uh, long, but stuff happens, right? So you got to just stick to it. And this is when it tests you the most. And um, ultimately, you'll come out of it and you'll be fine. But if you lose that discipline, then you're going to, you know, you run, you potentially bury yourself. And, and then it's not fun and it's not good. So you just got to stick with it. Eventually it'll happen. And it'll usually happen when you least expect it is what I've found out a lot of times as well. You know, when the season finished last year, we all were kind of uh, had our ears perked up uh, with the officiating issues. And this season started off without that being the issue. But over the last two, three weeks, all of a sudden the officiating is is coming to the focus. Uh, you know, that's unrelated to the uh, uh, the bad, the good teams that don't show up, of course. But uh, the officiating is is becoming visible again, and it should never be visible like this. And, and you know, we all as betters want to blame somebody but ourselves, even though we're ultimately responsible. And I, I just hope we see uh, better officiating in general because it, it has been atrocious lately. Yeah, it's a particularly weird stretch right now and a lot of factors ultimately determining our fate. But if we move forward and take a look at a full screen graphic here showing our record so far this season, despite what we've seen for the last week and change, still in a pretty good spot. So Scott, to your point, we'll look to maintain that discipline. Chris currently at 24 and 23 on the year, myself at 17 and 14, and Scott at 15 and 12. So we'll look to build on that as we work our way down the week 10 board, featuring some of our best bets over the course of this show. And a couple quick housekeeping items before we get there. First off, if you're joining us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and jump in that chat. Let us know who you like as we cover the Week 10 slate. And if you really like somebody and want to get in play, go ahead and do so by signing up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus. And for more information on that offer, you can check out the link below this video. Guys, we'll get right to the Sunday slate, and in the early window, coincidentally, the first two games in rotation order we covered on our Tuesday show, Jacksonville and Indy, and Cleveland against the Patriots, so if you want those breakdowns, check out the BetUS official YouTube channel. Spoiler alert, Chris took a good early number on the Patriots minus one, I teased the Browns with the the uh, Ravens, that's dead, so I'm going to need a new partner for Cleveland, we'll get to that later, but first up on today's show... The Falcons traveling to Dallas, taking on the Cowboys. 
Currently, BetUS has the Cowboys at minus 10, a juicy plus 110 attached to that number, total at 54.5, steamed up from an opener of 50.5. Chris, what do you make of this big NFC showdown after a crazy result in Dallas last Sunday? Well, the uh, the Cowboys lost uh, a key defensive pass rusher uh, who's accounted for a third, more than a third of uh, the Dallas Cowboys sacks, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he's going to be out for uh, three or four weeks. Something to keep an eye on there. And as we mentioned, after Atlanta got their second win uh, and they were heading into the bye, Atlanta has a chance for the playoffs. And here we are a few weeks later. And if the season had ended today, Atlanta would be a wildcard team. So that's how fast things can happen uh, if you just can get on a roll. Uh, I still have Atlanta, even though they're in this spot, rated um, much lower than you would think. Uh, 20th offensively, 26th defensively, and 25th overall, even though they've made great strides. I've got Dallas as a, as a, as a number one office, offense and a top 10 defense. Uh, I, I strongly lean here with the Dallas Cowboys and laying the points. I'm thinking Atlanta might get enough play to possibly bring this down. Uh, if this were to get down to seven, I would definitely be playing Dallas minus seven, but I'm on the sidelines right now. Yeah, and I'm taking a quick look. Speaking of the current number, I'm seeing a consensus seems to be a flat minus nine. So minus 10 at BetUS, but with that plus 110 number, uh, what do you make of the options between laying minus 110, uh, giving nine points, or taking plus 110, giving the 10 for Dallas? Well, Scott, you go ahead, and I'm going to look that up, actually. So, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Chris here where I would not take Atlanta because I've got some value in Dallas. But would I lay 10 plus 110 or minus 9? Uh, I'd have to think about it a little bit, Matt, just from a math standpoint. But I think I'm still laying 9 um, with Dallas as opposed to the 10 plus 110. Um Math-wise, I'm you know I, I'd have to look at that, but uh, off the top of my head, I'm still laying nine versus the ten plus plus the money. Got it. Yeah, and I would say that uh, if we do see Dallas come down to minus nine at Bet US and uh, kind of align with the rest of the market there, I am interested in the Cowboys potentially as a teaser leg in a six and a half point teaser and a potential pairing partner. If we see the Bucks line continue to trickle down, we'll get to that game later. Uh, that could have the makings of a good six and a half point teaser, as long as you're not laying more than minus 130 to get Dallas and Tampa down through seven and three. More of a numbers grab taking, uh, in the case of the Cowboys, a clearly superior team at home once again this week. So something I'll be keeping an eye on over the next couple of days. And uh, Chris, any further thoughts on that, you know, 20 cent difference between minus 110 on the minus nine versus plus 110 for the minus 10. Yeah, actually, uh, you would actually lay, uh, you would take the minus 10 plus 110 even above a minus eight and a half. So mm -hmm. the, the the crossing line on that would be, you would take the minus eight, uh, or you would take, if the line was eight and a half, you would take the minus 10 plus 110. And I wonder in this game, too, with such a high total, some of these numbers might not be as significant. You know, 10, of course, is completely on the table here. But if you're getting that plus payout, that can make it a bit more enticing. So um, something to think about from a number standpoint. And Scott, when just looking at this game from more of a matchup perspective, what are you expecting to see in Dallas on Sunday? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with Chris here. I've made the number about 13, almost 13. Yeah, let's just call it 13, I guess, and about 53 and a half on the total. So a, a lot of uh, um, support here for Dallas. And from a matchup standpoint, it, it kind of matches that as well. I'll tell you why I'm a little concerned, but um, Dallas number nine in giving up sacks. So they're very good as far as not allowing sacks. Now, obviously, left tackle Tyron Smith might still be out again this week. His replacement last week, Ter Terrence Steele, actually gave up a lot of pressures. So uh, just keep that in mind. But Atlanta is number 31 in pressure rate. So they don't figure to put a lot of pressure uh, on Dallas for the most part. Uh, they should have time to throw the ball, um, you know, short of any left tackle issues. And just in general, Dallas number four in passing offense, Atlanta number 29, kind of what Chris mentioned. Uh, Michael Gallup, receiver, got hurt in that week one game against Tampa. He may come back this week, which would just help fortify the receiver uh, side of it as well. And Atlanta number 28 in run D. So Dallas is, you know, fairly balanced team. They can run the ball, might help them throw the ball. They should be able to move the ball um, as opposed to what they faced last, last week with a, a Denver defense that has had moments this year of good and bad. But at least, you know, Denver has a fundamental defensive philosophy from their head coach that posed a little bit stiffer test for Dallas and maybe Dallas is flat, of course. I don't think they get ne that necessarily with Atlanta this week. So Gregory out, like you said, uh, Chris. Uh, last point here, I think I mentioned this last week as well. Uh, for Dallas, 11 of their last 15 games at home as a favorite, they've scored 31 or more points in those games. Also going over the total in 11 of those 15. Last week, of course, being one that they did not. So they seem to perform well at home with Dak at quarterback. Uh, I think they're going to put up points. My only reservation with laying points with them, I don't think this defense is quite as good as it's maybe shown in the first half. They now lose Gregory. We've talked about Diggs. I don't think Diggs is that great of a, a corner. Now, he's made some great plays, interceptions, which have a tremendous amount of value in a game. But from a coverage standpoint, I don't think he's that good. So I worry about a backdoor cover with a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan. I would certainly consider a teaser. Anything under three, minus 120 or less, if the number gets to a favorable spot where you could tease Dallas. I would definitely look that way. Yeah, I'm sure I'm on a pipe dream ever seeing a seven in this game, uh, obviously. But I, I think once uh, tens pop up, which they should, uh, Atlanta should get some play here. And I, I'd like to find a way to bet Dallas here. I, I really think that they'll show up. But Atlanta's gaining confidence and uh it is a little bit nerve-wracking on the back door uh, being open. From one game with a double-digit favorite and a key player named Diggs involved in the passing game to another, Buffalo and Stephon Diggs on their side, traveling to take on the Jets. The Bills laying 13 at plus 105, total 47.5. And Scott, last week it was Chris taking the plunge on the Bills as a big road favorite. And despite what we saw, you're not scared off of Buffalo quite yet. No, and I don't lay double. I, matter of fact, I, I was thinking this morning, like, I don't know if I've ever laid double digits in the NFL, quite frankly. But I like Buffalo here in a best bet. Uh, I make the number 15 and a half. I think we've got some value here with Buffalo. And unlike last week against Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville's not a very good team at all, they do have some capability to do some things that uh, clearly disrupted Buffalo here. Uh, you know, Jacksonville actually puts a little pressure on the quarterback. The Jets do not do that. Uh, Buffalo number three in terms of giving up the fewest sack percentages in the league. Jets 21 in generating pressure. They don't figure to generate some pressure. Buffalo's had some issues on their offensive line injury-wise. Maybe that's playing into what we've seen here recently. But I don't see the Jets putting a lot of pressure on them. 
And the Jets, number 23 in sacks allowed, sack percentage allowed. Buffalo, number one. I see some pressure here. I think I read something this morning where Mike White said he should have been the number one drafted quarterback uh, in the league or something. So he clearly has full confidence in this game. So obviously if Mike White plays like Mike White thinks he is, uh, you know, then this 12 and a half is going to be in trouble. But um, I think it's a pretty good matchup. There's value here. And just looking, Buffalo um, has been a road favorite nine times out of the last nine games. They've scored 30 or more in those games in six of those nine games. But more importantly, they've allowed 10 or less points in four of the uh, uh, five games that they played against teams who have averaged less than 20 points uh, on the year. And the Jets come in averaging 18 points. They gave up 19 in one of the other games. So all five games against bad offenses offenses as, as a road favorite, they've allowed 19 or less four of those five, 10 or less. I see the Jets scoring less than 17 here. And I think the Buffalo, I think Buffalo can get to 30, 31 points here. Um, that gets us to a 12 and a half point cover. And like I said, I make the number 15 and a half. I think just some value here with Buffalo. They should be fully focused after what happened last week. They just have to execute, obviously. Yeah, on the number at BetUS currently, minus 13, plus 105. So, again, a, a slightly higher number you're going to have to lay with the Bills, but a plus payout attached to that as well. And, Scott, with the Bills last week, you touched on their defense and likely suppressing the Jets' scoreboard output on Sunday. The Bills could have pitched a shutout in Jacksonville, and they still wouldn't have been within a touchdown of covering. So in the case of their offense, are you just basically wiping the slate clean and, and almost trying to forget that that showing in Jacksonville ever happened? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'll forget that it ever happened, but uh, you know, I don't think you can look at just one game. And and if we always if we always made picks based on what solely happened last week, uh, we'd all be in trouble. We all know that, right? So and they look, they struggled against Miami a little bit the week before. Ultimately, covered kind of kind of a lucky cover. Um, but maybe Miami is a little bit better defensively than we thought, given what we've seen here the last few weeks. But. Uh, and I know Buffalo wants to go back to running the ball a little bit more and get a little bit more balance this week. We'll see how that plays out. I, you know, to your point, Matt, I just don't see them giving up a lot of points. And, you know, I, I'm putting some faith in that the off, this off, that this offense can do something. And by the way, I guess the last thing to mention here, Marcus May now out. Jets have now lost both their starting safeties for the rest of the year. So they are hurting in the secondary and they are vulnerable in the secondary. And look what Indianapolis did to them last week. They ran all over them. And, um, yeah, so I am dismissing it, I guess, a little bit and having a little bit more faith that they can put up points in this game. Yeah, I lean that way with you. I think this is a case where the Bills might want to go ahead and burn that video. The offense, certainly some questions to answer. But defensively, holding the Jags to less than four yards of play, two for 13 on third down, 0 for 2 in the red zone, a similar performance by the Bills defense this week should get the job done. And for the Jets, I mean, if the Bills should burn the video, the Jets should probably burn that box score from last Thursday in Indy because they went minus 2.2 yards per play. And that might be putting it kindly, considering a lot of the garbage time production they saw. So uh, certainly even an unfavorable box score from last Thursday night, probably not as unfavorable as it should be, ultimately, considering the way that game went down. Leaning with you, Scott, looking toward the Bills. Chris, how do you see this one playing out? Well, believe it or not, that that minus 13 plus 105 is actually a favorable line. Uh, it's actually a better line than minus 11, minus 110. Uh, you wouldn't think so, but uh, uh, just something to point out there. Hey, can you guys believe that uh, Buffalo 
has scored fewer points than the previous game five games in a row. Think about that. Uh, they scored 43, 40, 38, 31, 26, and 6. So definitely trending down. And as, as happy, go lucky as we thought Buffalo was to just skate through the AFC, award them the Super Bowl trophy, let's look at who they've beaten this year. Miami, Washington, Houston, mediocre Kansas City, and Miami. That's it. And they haven't really beaten anybody really good. They're scoring fewer and fewer points every week. Like Scott, I have these numbers uh, much higher to the level where I'm supposed to play this game. And and I'm just a little snake bit by these recent uh, big favorites not showing up. I think that at some point I will come in with a play on Buffalo. But right now I'm sitting on the sidelines. I think uh, I think the line's going to go a little bit lower uh, down to the need 11, even though the 13 plus 05 is a better number. But uh, I'm, I'm going to think about st- uh, hopping in on Buffalo because I think, yeah, the, the, the Jets defense, Buffalo better. Even though Buffalo is only converting 55% of their red zone appearances into touchdowns, they've got to get healthy this week or they're not going to get healthy. Yeah, well, Chris, uh, you might be waiting on this one a bit, but getting to our next game, you didn't wait to pull the trigger on the Saints traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Tennessee currently laying three at even money, total 44. And Chris, as I alluded to, you took the Saints at a better plus three number on Tuesday. Since then, we've gotten some news about Alvin Kamara as well as Julio Jones. So over the last few days, how have your thoughts on this bet evolved? Well, I'm, I'm disappointed because I, I placed my wager until the before the Camara news uh, was public, as far as I saw it. And uh, I have a feeling that he's trending in, even though he hasn't been practicing. That's not a major concern for me at this point, because the, the money is moving the Saints down. And, it, you know, hey, you got to be nuts. Tennessee just went through the creme de la creme of the AFC beating team after team after team as an underdog four games in a row. And now they come home and they're going to face a New Orleans team that struggled against Atlanta. And the optics on this are just so Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. But let me tell you something. The metrics are nowhere close in this game. And the Saints defense is right there at the top. And uh, their offense some way, somehow comes together to just squeeze just enough in usually, but they're, they're inconsistent there, but they should be able to handle this Tennessee team. It's a flat spot for Tennessee, even though I'm not really that strong for flat spots, but the saints are going to come and Tennessee is going to struggle against this team. I I firmly believe it. And so I've got the plus three. Yeah, well, you spoke on a few things that I'll add to because I've joined you on the Saints plus the three here. Some of the metrics you mentioned with Tennessee over the course of their five-game win streak, a lot of positive variance. In fact, Tennessee third in EPA per play differential on late downs during that stretch. And when it comes to turnovers, number one in win probability added, those are some pretty noisy situations that are very impactful to the outcome of a game, but more predictive in terms of how things will generally play out in the long run early downs. And if we look at that, Tennessee bottom five in net success rate during this five-game win streak. And Chris, you touched on that Saints defense. They're elite against the run 
And a couple weeks ago, you made an OJ reference about uh, Lattimore for the Saints covering receivers like a glove, something to that extent. And I think he has the capability to potentially erase A.J. Brown's impact on this one, especially if Julio is limited or out. And on the other side with the Saints offense, uh, again, Chris, you kind of touched on it. They are quite limited, but I think we're going to see more Taysom Hill this week. Last week's opponent for the Saints, the Falcons, had seen Hill twice last season. The Titans not as familiar with a kind of gadgety player like that. So I think that gives the Saints offense a little more upside in this week's matchup. And I'm really curious, Scott, to see how good is that Titans defense really? He, uh, couple things here, Matt. I, I don't know, how, you know, I don't know how good they are. But one thing I've been noticing recently is by my numbers, it seems like they're a little bit better than what we tend to give them credit for. Um, but with all that said, uh, and they are starting to put pressure on the quarterback as well. Um, you know, with all that said, though, last week they averaged three and a half yards of play. They did nothing really in that game. Uh, I don't want to take away. They, they went there and won the game. They did what they had to do. But um, yeah, you, you can't really walk out of that game being super impressed by them. And, and the other thing, and I was just trying to pull up here, you know, we're focused on Kamara, uh, which is obviously a very crucial, crucial injury here, injury here. But uh, Tennessee's got a lot of injuries right now. Harold Landry, who's a very good pass rusher for him, did not practice uh, the last couple days. Jeffrey Simmons, very good defensive tackle, did not practice the last couple days. Uh, Rashard Evans, a linebacker who was out last week, did not practice last couple days. You already hit on Julio Jones. So, yes, New Orleans got an issue there with Kamara, who's such a big piece of their offense. But we need to pay attention to what's happening for Tennessee, especially on the defensive side here, because they've got a lot of people who potentially couldn't play who are pretty significant on that defense as well. For me, though, I was on New Orleans last week in a money line parlay. My one reservation for that in that game was Trevor Simeon against Matt Ryan. And even though quarterbacks don't play against each other, Matt Ryan has the capability to, to do some things, and Simeon didn't. And, and, you know, they got their act together late in that game, but it's another one of those situations where it's Simeon against Ryan Tannehill. And I just worry about Simeon. I just don't think he's a very good quarterback. Maybe Taysom Hill gets a little bit more opportunities this week. My numbers like Chris, look, without making any adjustments for that quarterback spot, I've got uh, New Orleans favored by like 0.9 points in this game. There's value there. I just don't know if I can pull the trigger um, on Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, quite frankly. I just worry about that. Um, but it would be New Orleans or, or nothing for me if I played it. Well, I'd like to point out that I had the same reservations. And then, you know, if you dive into the game, there were 11, 11 dropped passes by the Saints last week. Uh, you know, that's just inexcusable. Uh, you know, if, if a third of those are caught, I mean, how much can that change a game? And another thing I'd like to point out, as well as Tennessee has been doing, and they are seemingly the hottest team in the NFL right now, the Saints are literally just fractionally lower than them over the last five weeks in improvement against the average team in the NFL. The Saints are on their own role. So uh, I know it appears ugly. It does. But, you know, those are the games that seem to win. It sort of it reminds me of Cleveland last week against Cincinnati where you're just like, eh. Well, you know, <laughs> first of all, if it was so easy and, and where you could just take Tennessee, you know, the, the books aren't doing what they're doing and, and wouldn't be making the money they're making, right? So we know that. Um, and I think, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe New Orleans scored in every drive in the second half last week or maybe every one but one or something. You know, they got it going and then they they kept scoring. So, you know, they turned it on eventually. 
I think I'm a little snake bit on this one. Like you are kind of on Buffalo, Chris, where I had New Orleans last week, got bit on it. You got bit on Buffalo. Um, but like I said, it, it's New Orleans or nothing. If I can get comfortable with the quarterback position, then I'll be on New Orleans. I just don't know if I'll get there. Well, Scott, thanks for the reminder on that Saints second half outburst last week because I had the under in that one as we spoke to on the show, <laughs> and it looked pretty good with the score three nothing in the final minute of the first half. Uh, not so much when we saw a 32-point barrage in the fourth quarter. So ready to move on from that one and move on to the next game on the board here. Tampa Bay heading to the nation's capital to take on Washington. The Bucks currently laying 10 at plus 105 juice, total at 51. And Scott, what do you expect from this NFC showdown on Sunday featuring two teams off their bye weeks? Uh, you know, I'm kind of like you on this, Matt. I think you mentioned earlier if this ever got into teaser range, you'd play it. I'd probably consider it as well. Uh, I make the number 9.5, make the total 15.5, so we're kind of right there. So nothing for me. Uh, the only couple things I'd point out for anyone interested, and obviously depending on what Chris says here, Washington, getting they're coming off their bye week, as is Tampa, uh, but Washington getting a little bit healthier here. They're getting back their right guard and their right tackle. They did lose their center, but um, Wes Schweitzer, who was filling in at right guard, I think he might move to center. I think he's pretty capable there at center. So I think their offensive line is going to be in pretty good tact here uh, for the first time in a number of weeks, which is very promising for them. We did mention on the Tuesday show, they lose Montez Sweat, who's one of their best pressure and sack guys on the defensive line. That's a pretty significant loss for them on defense. Um, and just from a matchup, Tampa, number five in my ratings in terms of net success rate passing, Washington, number 28, defending the pass. So that's not favorable. But still no Antonio Brown. Uh, looks like still no Rob Gronkowski. And maybe no Chris Godwin either. So that, that has an impact on this offense as well. So we may not get the same outburst from Tampa. Um, and we know Tampa has not been the same team on the road recently from a cover standpoint. So I'm not playing the game. I would maybe consider the teaser if we got in teaser range. Um, but I'm not shocked if Washington covers this number uh, as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'll be looking for, touching on Washington possibly being on the upswing, they turned in almost carbon copy performances week seven and eight before their bye. In those two games combined, 11 for 34 on third and fourth down, 0 for 6 in the red zone, minus 2 in turnovers. Can't help but wonder if that's negative variance or if it's them in any way. I'm leaning toward it being negative variance that can correct itself moving forward. Hey, I'll point out one other thing in that, which I forgot to mention. Um, there's a pretty good, they've scored 14 or less points in two games here. There's a pretty good situation that is like clockwork, wins every single year in the NFL that plays on teams that are in that uh, financial position, if you will, where they have just not performed at all offensively in the last couple of weeks. These teams, more times than not, come back and cover. So they are in a very, very, very strong, favorable situation. Now, why does that happen? Well, you know, maybe the line gets adjusted a little bit too high because they haven't performed well. Maybe the team coming in overlooks them because they haven't scored. Who knows? But I, I'm just saying, you know, I kind of mentioned it last week. Jacksonville was in a very good situation. Um, they just seem to work. So uh, just be aware of that. But right now, no play for me. Yeah, that, yeah. that would actually be their third. They've already done three games in a row under 14 points. So uh, a little scary there. But I, I agree with you on this. Uh, this is almost identical to the Dallas game where I've got it lying the exact same amount. But the difference here that I, I'm not interested in getting involved in Tampa Bay is because they're on the road, number one. As Scott mentioned, they're getting healthier. 
Uh, and, t- you know, I'm not disconcerted about Tampa Bay kind of like wallowing because last year when they went into the bye, I think they went in at like five and three or five and four or something. And they came out like gangbusters. They knew that they just had to win at the end of the season. So I, I do kind of feel Tampa Bay is kind of going through the motions. There's no need to put separation on Washington. They just want to get out with the wind. There's just no way to entice me to take the Tampa Bay side. And I'm I'm not interested in getting behind Washington in that horrible defense. Yeah, well, Chris, I wonder if we can entice you on your team in the next game on the board, the Detroit Lions traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Currently, Pittsburgh a nine-point favorite at BetUS with plus 105 VIG attached to that number. A lot of big numbers with plus VIG attached at the current BetUS betting board as we record this Friday morning Pacific time. Total 42.5. Chris, I know the Lions are your team, and rumor has it they might play hard for their coach in this one. Well, don't we say that every week? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It looks like they're getting back Decker, who's a key part of their uh, uh, offensive line, and that means Sewell can move over to his normal position. Uh, he did an up and down uh, job as a rookie, uh, filling in for Decker there. They have had two weeks to wallow in that horribly embarrassing result, uh, the last blowout they had uh, uh, against Philadelphia, where we all thought they could actually win a game, and uh, they just got humiliated. Uh, they added uh, they added a new receiver. Uh, and I can't even remember the guy's name, who now becomes their best receiver. So the guy that wanted to be let go from uh, uh, Tennessee, actually. <laughs> so, uh, but he'll be their best receiver right now. So uh, another oddity, too, is uh, DeAndre Swift. He, he has somewhere around 430 uh, uh, passing yards or yard, yards receiving. He actually has 25 or 30 more yards from behind the line of scrimmage. So he's getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> and getting that kind of yardage. It's, it, their, their offense is just so strange. Uh, I can't play this game because I can't trust Pittsburgh. I can't to, to get uh, any sort of distance. We saw that on Monday night. I think Pittsburgh is much better than we think they are. But I don't, you know, like we, we talked about at the top of the hour, this is a strange team. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I'm not going to leave that back door open here uh, with a Pittsburgh team that doesn't put separation. Yeah, when I look at this game, one of the first things I see at the market consensus number still has Pittsburgh laying eight, uh, again, without that plus VIG attached to it. That generally screams teaser territory to me. But a big red flag on Monday night, the Steelers almost outgained by three yards per play hosting the Bears. Pittsburgh needed to go three for three in the red zone, win the turnover battle, and let's just say get some help from the officials to hold on to win that game outright. So uh, the more I think about this one, I I was a little more enthused in a teaser on the Steelers uh, recently, but I'm thinking a reduced wager amount, if any, for any Steelers teasers this week. And Scott, I'll toss it to you in the form of a question we just got from the live chat. Somebody saying they never trust Pittsburgh to cover over a touchdown. Do you think the Lions have a chance? If I had any guts at all, Matt, I would be on the Lions in this game. So the answer to that question, yes. Um, to cover this thing, I, I think they do. Because Chris said, like, can you really trust? And as the questioner uh, asked as well, and thanks for the question, um, how can we trust Pittsburgh to win by uh, a, a large margin here? I make the number six in this game. So there is value 
on Detroit based on my numbers in this game. Both these teams are bottom 10 in the league in running the ball. Both are actually top 10 stopping the run, so they're, they're kind of even there to a degree. Both teams bottom half in the league throwing, both bottom half in the league defending. Again, kind of even there. Uh, Pittsburgh now 0-7 against the spread in their last seven games as a home favorite. So they're not covering uh, any number that they're laying here, uh, much less a larger number. Um, and I've said this, you know, I've dismissed Detroit. I don't think I've even bet on a Detroit game this year. Maybe week one against San Fran. I think I think I had San Fran in the teaser. But it's still Jared Goff as a quarterback who's not a horrible quarterback, which just in and of itself, it's it's just funny how the mindset, at least my mindset's changed, where you criticize him of the Rams because the Rams are a team that has a chance to go somewhere and he's not good enough there. But on a bad team, he's a serviceable quarterback. So, and they, they're getting a receiver, they're getting a left tackle back. Um, no Chase Claypool for Pittsburgh here uh, as well. And the other thing, who has Pittsburgh beat, especially recently? Geno Smith, I'd say Goff's better than that. Justin Fields, I think he's better than that. And Justin Fields really was struggling throwing the ball in somehow, some way. They found plenty of open receivers in that game Monday night. I don't know that I'll play Detroit. Like I said, I don't know if I have enough guts to do it, but I think there's value on Detroit here. Um, if it's it, it's Detroit or anything for me, but I don't know that I can get involved in it. And yeah, I, I guess yeah. the last thing I'll say here, just real quick, sorry, is Detroit does give up a lot of pressure. Maybe Decker helps that a little bit. We know Pittsburgh puts a ton of pressure on quarterbacks. You know, that, that part is not a good matchup, but um, Detroit or nothing for me. I, I just, if this line does hit a 10, I will probably uh, come in on Detroit uh, begrudgingly, uh, uh, just to leave it at that. <laughs> that was going to be my natural follow-up. Is there a number at which you guys would go ahead and get and play on the Lions? Uh, by all indications, though, this number is probably only going to come down. So yeah. uh, probably a reluctant pass across the board. But with that, we will wrap up the early window on Sunday and call a quick timeout to remind the YouTube audience joining us Give this video a quick thumbs up and keep that chat going as we roll through the Week 10 slate and we'll continue to do so with the late window on Sunday, starting with Minnesota traveling out west to take on the Chargers. The Chargers currently laying three, a juicy favorite, minus 115, this total up to 53 after opening 50. And Chris, I'm going to label this the gladiator game and ask, are you not entertained? You didn't have very nice things to say about the Chargers last week. That was a pretty entertaining game in Philadelphia, and it looks like this one could have the makings of some fireworks as well. Yeah, but, you know, the uh, the Chargers are just overrated. They're, you know, it's sort of uh, like the girl with the blonde hair in school. Everybody looks at her, and, <laughs> and that's what the Chargers are, basically. Uh, I, I said it last week. Uh, that they were closer to the bottom nine than the top nine. And sure, they skated by and, and got by a Philadelphia Game team time. that I don't think is that great. Uh, they had difficulty winning that game. They did climb a little bit with the stats. Uh, Herbert's stats were just amazing. I think he only had five or six incompletions and uh, 350 or so yards. So the, the problem is their defense. And... Minnesota has quite the offense, and as long as they break through without too much, uh, without any of this COVID thing, it looks like we're okay there. And I think if Cook was going to get suspended, I think we would have heard that by now. So they look all good and ready to go. Uh, they they keep losing players. Uh, Scott will uh, elaborate uh, to injuries, uh, which I'm a little concerned with. But 
uh, Minnesota is the better team overall here, and I'm getting three points, and I might even get three and a half points uh, uh, here uh, if the line keeps on trending where it's going. So uh, I'm, I'm on the Vikings here this week. Yeah, well, it uh, might ding my credibility a bit to admit that as we're recording this, I'm wearing my Chargers pajama pants, but I'm going to go ahead and push back on you a bit, Chris, when it comes to just how good they are, um, offensively at least. They had a 98-yard opening drive last week that somehow resulted in a figure going from the one to the one and coming up empty, also stopped on a fourth and short deep in Eagles territory. So I think that Chargers performance was better than the scoreboard indicated, but I do hear you on their defense. I mean, at all three levels now, Bosa, a new addition to the injury report yesterday, Drew Tranquil testing positive for COVID. I mean, the secondary, just name a player and he's probably banged up right now. Um, And that's part of why I'm on the over 53 in this one. And the Vikings factor into it quite a bit as well. Their defense last week on the field for 89 snaps in Baltimore. So not just the second straight road game for Minnesota, but a second straight road game with possibly a lot of fatigue on that defense. And offensively, one thing that could work really well for this over, the Vikings tend to not be as pass heavy as they should be in neutral situations. But when they're... Chargers is right, and they're ahead. That could help the Vikings throwing a lot into a pretty beat-up Chargers secondary. So that has me liking the over 53 in this one. But, Scott, I know you're the totals expert here, and it seems like, if anything, you might have a slight lean the other way on this total. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I made the total 49.5. But, I, you know, sometimes you just look at games and you just get a feeling that there's going to be more scoring from a matchup standpoint. And to your point, Matt, Harrison Smith, COVID, very, very good safety. Patrick Peterson still out in the secondary. We remember last week they lost Danielle Hunter. Well, actually a couple weeks ago, last week's first week they didn't play without him. Basically their top pressure guy. So I've got the Vikings pass defense rated pretty well, but a lot of that is coming from the pressure from Hunter that he had provided early in the year. Harrison Smith obviously being a very veteran leader back there. Patrick Peterson being back there. So I, you know, I look at that with a lot of reservation that. To your point, um, they could score some points here. And, you know, you already made the comment about how they could score in the Chargers D as well. So, yeah, my numbers point to something lower, but uh, I actually would kind of lean over, I think, just based on just the matchup itself. I make the number two and a half. I I got no play in this game. If it goes to three and a half, uh, you know, that's a pretty significant move uh, off a uh, two and a half projection by me. I would probably be on the Vikings. Uh, The only other thing I'll throw in here, um, for what it's worth, since Zimmer came over, he's 15-10-1 against the spread as a road dog in non-division games. He seems to compete pretty well against teams that maybe don't know him as well. Um, and we know the Chargers' history is a home favorite, 14-25-1 since 2014. Same time frame Zimmer's been there as a home favorite. I know it's a short home favorite, but they just generally do not play well as a home favorite as well um, for whatever that's worth as well. And didn't, was it last year or the year before the Vikings? Maybe two years ago, the Vikings... Didn't they go to the charge uh, Chargers a couple years ago and just destroy them? I thought in in a game as well, just a few years ago. I bet, I think, but thirty nine to ten. Yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen. In front of a lot of in front of a lot of Vikings fans at yes. the Step Up Center in Carson. That's right. I'd like to add uh, that that over is something I've been considering. Also, the the Chargers, believe it or not, are the second worst team in defense change over the last five weeks. They've lost four four points of value on the defensive side against the average team, uh, which isn't a really high number. Uh, the Jets are the only team that's higher. So uh, 
I think the uh, I think the over is a good look on this game because I, I you know Herbert's going to have all day to throw back there. Uh, he's going to he's going to complete some passes. They're going to score some points, and I think Minnesota's going to score some points. Yeah, the, you know the Vikings are very good in terms of uh, I'd have to go look at my chart, but they're top ten in giving up fewest pressures as well. To your point, you know with the Chargers, they're both those teams are very good. And as I said, I mean, the Vikings were very good at putting pressure, but some of that's now gone because of the injuries and whatnot. So, and as you said, Matt, maybe Bosa doesn't play here, which would be significant as well. So, yeah, well, plenty of questions about the Chargers defense, plenty of questions, frankly, about both defenses in this one. So, I like the alignment looking toward the over. I've played it already. So, we'll keep our fingers crossed there. And in the next game, to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Arizona currently laying 10 and a half, total at 44. And Chris, what do you make of the quarterback situations for both teams heading into this one? Well, as as we said last week, uh, I wasn't that concerned with McCoy coming in there. He, he, he in the previous uh, uh, years where he's had to come in in relief, he's done quite well. He has a history of doing quite well. So, uh, I wasn't that surprised that Arizona was supposed to that did they did win that game. I just didn't think they would win it that handily. Uh, I, I think that they would be idiots to bring out Murray. They need him for the playoff run. Uh, McCoy, this isn't supposed to be a difficult game. Uh, maybe you, you just put him do a tour, what they did with Tua last night, and put him on the bench just in case. But uh, I, I would just go with McCoy. I feel confident that he can run that offense. Uh, and Klingsbury's play calling was just so original. Uh, they're a tough team, and Carolina just keeps getting, uh, you know, the short end of the stick. I don't think we'll see. There's no word on uh, Cam playing, but I, I guess he's trying to play. Did, did you guys hear yeah, that? Yeah, I thought I read. I thought I read that Rule had announced PJ Walker starting this week to let Newton have some time to reacclimate. Scott, any updates on your end? Yeah, same thing. You know, there were some thoughts that possibly Newton could get in and play a couple plays here and there. But I think for the most part, it's P.J. Walker and maybe a few plays with Newton, if if at all, uh, is what I heard. Yeah, I can't bet this game. There's, the, the, there's just not any value. There's too many unknown factors. Is Arizona's at the top of the league on, on everything, number two overall team. Uh, I'm just going to – there's better places to get my money in. Yeah, I think one thing that I'll just say to set the record straight for the Cardinals after betting the Niners last week, I mean, got a good number, but it didn't really matter because I think Arizona's practice squad would have won that game without going plus three in turnovers. A lot of credit due to Kingsbury and his staff for the way they approached that game. And the X factor in this one, of course, the quarterbacks we've talked about already. Scott, it seems like, uh, again, with all the injuries that we're waiting for more updates on, currently nothing to get in play on for you either. Yeah, nothing because of the injuries here and, and you know, just just make sure everyone's aware and just do your uh, due diligence on this. Buda Baker, very good player in defensive secondary for uh, did not practice. Uh, Chase Edmonds, we know running back is going to be out. What James Conner did last week, hey, they don't need Edmonds if he keeps doing that. Max Garcia on the offensive line. Justin Pugh on the offensive line. We know the receivers. They do get A.J. Green back, it looks like, because he's been cleared from COVID. So just there's a ton of Jordan Phillips on the defensive line did not practice. Rondell Moore, there's a, just way too many injuries for me to even think about getting involved, and I don't know that I would get involved anyway, but way too many injuries right now until some of that stuff clears. And by the way, Carolina has also suffered some attrition on their offensive line as well. Uh, obviously, you got the quarterback now. 
Um, this game's a mess to me in, in my mind. Yeah, well, another game that looked a little messier perhaps early in the week, but we're starting to get some clarity. Seattle traveling to Green Bay where the Packers laying three and a half at even money, total 49. Scott, the quarterback's another big factor in this one. We're not quite certain yet, but as we've gotten some updates over the course of the week, it's gotten you in play on the total. Yeah, I like the total over here, uh, 49 right now. And, you know, there were some 49 and a half out there, so it's come down. I see a 48 and a half at, uh, somewhere as well. Um, there is some weather in this game, but it's the kind of weather I like. If, if that's what's truly driving this down, uh, maybe some snow flurries. The little bit I saw this morning, uh, which will end before the game, and again, snow flurries don't really impact that. Yeah, there's some wind, maybe 13 miles an hour. Uh, it's not completely something you ignore, but it's not terrible. Uh, so I don't think weather's going to really impact this unless I'm reading that wrong, and I'll, I'll continue to follow that. But it looks like Rodgers comes back, but we won't know until Saturday. So uh, you know, I'm waiting until Saturday to play anything here because of that. David Bakhtiari coming back at left tackle. I think that's a huge uh, upgrade, obviously, for Green Bay. It looks like that's going to happen. I make the number 52 and a half here. So we've got some value here uh, on the over. This Green Bay defense, you know, I may get burned in this year week after week, but I just do not think this secondary is that good. But they've played well up to this point in some way, shape, or form. But I just think these receivers for Seattle with Wilson back, I think they're going to be able to do some damage. I think the Packers can do damage against the Seattle secondary as well. This is a pretty low total for two teams that um, neither team stops to rush very well uh, from a success rate standpoint. And I think both teams can move the ball in the air here as well. Assuming we get the Bakhtiari and Rodgers connection uh, as well. We need that. But if that happens, I think there's value on the over. Uh, and I'll go over 49 or, or you know anything lower if it keeps it go, keeps going down. You mentioned waiting till Saturday to make that bet, uh, pending any Aaron Rodgers news. And two questions on that. One, just how high do you think this total goes if and when Rodgers is confirmed as a go? And two, for people who might have Saturday plans and won't be able to watch the board and follow news up to the second, how would you recommend they approach a total bet if they're looking at the over along with you? Well, I think a lot of this is, I think, built into the total because I think most people know He's got a 98, 99% chance of playing in this game. Matt Lafleur has already said he's playing if he's if he's good to go. So uh, it, it could tick up a little bit. But the thing that might keep it a little bit, and 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 I'm assuming is driving it down maybe a little bit, is maybe some weather as well. So um, look, if you if you if you can't jump on it, bet it now. Again, there's a 98, 99% chance that he's going in this game, um, but. For someone that can watch it, and if you have multiple outlets as well, uh, where you're not just handcuffed to one outlet in case your outlet moves before you can do it, then you know I think you can wait as well. But look, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't play, but there is a small chance, obviously. Yeah, quarterbacks, kind of like the last game, the big X factor here in this game, much more marquee quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson involved. Of course, Wilson looking like a go, but again, how is he going to look in his first game action in a long time off a speedy recovery from a pretty gruesome finger injury? So I'll be looking for some clarity as we watch that game play out. And Chris, we saw some early money on the Seahawks this week, but based on how you perceive this team, I'm guessing you had no interest in ever being a part of that. Well, I, 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 if I was more on the ball, I, I should have done the same thing because the line opened at five and a half and you were basically free rolling 
uh, taking a large position if Rodgers, for whatever reason, wasn't going to play. Uh, because potentially that line would be uh, Seattle favored. So it, it was worth a shot, and that's where people are sitting right now. And uh, if in the marketplace right now we see threes minus 120s and uh, minus three and a half uh, even money. And uh, a minus three minus 120 is one cent better than uh, minus three even money, or minus three and a half even money. So in case anybody's so the, that curious hook is about, basically a, a 21 cent trade-off in your book? Yeah, there's a 21 cent trade-off there. So uh, I, I've already taken a position minus three uh, on this. There's certainly no rush to bet it at minus three and a half. If Rogers is in, I, I would take this minus three and a half if I had to, but there are threes in the marketplace that I would search for. Uh, I don't have Seattle in the top 15 in offense or defense. And as a team, I have them like 20, 21, 22. And I've got Green Bay five to seven notches in uh, higher up in both categories. They're at home. I do have a, a concern with Rodgers coming off COVID because the COVID quarterbacks have not been faring well. Uh, but we've got Wilson coming off the DL. He hasn't played in a while either. So uh, maybe there's a little evenness there. I don't know what it is, but I have it in my mind. It's going to be cold there, and I think points just seem tougher when it's cold sometimes. I know that that's just a fa fallacy, but it, uh, I don't know why I feel this will be a lower-scoring game. Uh, Seattle has had no luck winning in Green Bay, so that's another reason I like Green Bay. Yeah, well, in the next game on the board, we can get to a refreshing change of pace with no quarterback questions. But, Scott, first off, jump back in with one more thought on Seattle-Green Bay. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, Chris, um, you, you said you have, uh, I think if I heard it right, Seattle not in the top half offensively. And I know you've made comments in the past about um, uh, you don't make any adjustments. Obviously, Geno Smith has played the last three weeks here. So are, are your numbers with them in the bottom half also with Geno Smith in play? Or have you adjusted for that? I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just curious how you do that. I'm not making any adjustment there. But they're so far, they're, they're, I have them sixth from the bottom offensively for the entire season. And then obviously yep. with Wilson, I can manually kind of upgrade it a little bit. But if sure. if you guys remember, even before Wilson went out, I, I, I was mentioning that Seattle is, is, is not rated high at all. I mean, I had them as a, in the, I've had them in the bottom 10 the entire season somehow. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I, I was just kind of curious of your thought process and how you work through that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it just requires uh, manual adjustments, uh, obviously, you know, like injuries and, and other things. Yeah, good points, Chris. Good follow-up, Scott. And on that note, now we can actually get into Philadelphia traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos, where Denver is laying 2.5, minus 115 at home, total 45.5. And, and Chris, it seems like there's not too much separation between these two teams, as the number would indicate. So how do you look at this one with the Eagles traveling out to an AFC West foe second time in a week, taking on a team from that division? You know, I'm just happy. I'm going to sit this one out. I, I, I show that there's value with Denver minus the two and a half. Uh, you know, as we've spoken about, there are betting groups that really love this Philadelphia team. Uh, I don't have Philadelphia in the top 15 in anything. Uh, uh, Denver at least has a top 10 defense. So uh, I don't know what it is uh, with this Philadelphia and why they're getting so much support. 
they are doing some things well, but there's other things they don't do well. So uh, uh, I don't want to waste the viewer's time uh, on a game that I just don't have much of an interest in. Sure, well, I'll jump in because I do have a bit more interest in this one. Since the Ravens didn't come through last night, going to be pairing the Browns with the Eagles in a teaser, taking Philadelphia up to plus eight and a half here. Again, crossing through those key numbers of three and seven, always something I look to do when playing teasers. And when it comes to the Broncos, I don't know where that performance came from last week. That was really impressive, and I don't want to take anything away from what the Broncos did in Dallas. But I guess I'm willing to pay to see that kind of performance again. And with the Eagles, Chris, maybe a, a bit of an answer to a question you asked, where do they do anything well? I think in the trenches, they might have some edges that can at least enable to keep this one competitive. So that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. Scott, what are you looking for in this matchup? Hey, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I've been involved in a lot of Philadelphia games this year. And every time I take them, I'm like, Jesus, like, what the hell am I doing here? Right. And uh, some have come through. I had them in a teaser last week. The other leg of the teaser didn't come through. But um, but, you know, I, I felt if you could get over a touchdown with them last week, uh, they had a chance because they had a favorable matchup running the ball against the Chargers, even though the passing really ultimately wins in the NFL. And ultimately, that's kind of what separated that game then. Um, kind of a similar situation here um, as well. And I make the number, let's call it Denver by two, 2.2. So there's a little bit of value here. I'm going to use them in a teaser again because I don't trust Philadelphia to just win this game outright, which is basically what they have to do. But I think getting over a touchdown, I don't see Denver really being super capable of separating themselves from a team. So I like getting more than a touchdown. Again, Philly can run the ball well. Denver, I've got them as the number 26 team in the league. Uh, defending the run. Um, and unlike the Chargers and some of these other games we've seen Philadelphia against Dallas, against Tampa, I don't know that Denver has the capability to throw the ball all over the place and take advantage of a Philadelphia pass D that I've got labeled as 31 in the league. I've got Denver 23 in the league offensively throwing the ball. They're starting to get the receivers back now, so maybe that changes a little bit. Maybe they start to move up the ladder in that. But to your point, Matt, this Denver offensive line is ravaged with injuries right now. They could be down as many as four starters, and the Philly defensive line is a pretty stout defensive line that I think they could create some problems here uh, for Denver's offensive line, especially uh, if they are missing up to four starters in this game. So I think Philly can run the ball. Yes, maybe Denver has some success throwing just because this Philly secondary has not been great, but I think there's enough uh, of issues on the offensive line to curtail that a little bit and and allow Philly to stay in this game, at least within, you know, a touchdown plus in this game and a teaser leg. It'll be interesting to see how they use Judy this week because last week they surprised Dallas using him entirely differently, uh, throwing him uh, shorter routes and having him run different uh, uh, routes that he used to do before. And now Philadelphia has game film on that, so they may not be able to repeat that uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, and, and by the way, uh, go ahead, Scott. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt. Philly had some injuries here on defense, especially with Darius Slay. I think we pointed that out on Tuesday. You want to follow that, but I, I think most of these guys are going to play, so I think they're going to be okay there. But obviously, that would be another concern that if you're looking to play this, you may want to look at as well. Yeah, and Chris, your point about how the Broncos are using Judy, I think the Eagles tend to be willing to concede the underneath routes, and that's how Denver used Judy differently last week. A lot of stuff just near the line of scrimmage, peppering him with targets. Um, so for any prop bettors out there, I don't want to get too much more explicit until numbers are widely available and I can get down myself. But Jerry Judy, an interesting player to potentially keep an eye on this Sunday in that matchup against the Eagles. 
Moving on to Sunday night, from a game in Denver to a game between two more AFC West teams, the Chiefs traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders, where Kansas City currently laying 2.5 at minus 115 VIG, total 52. And Scott, this game also involves a teaser leg for you. Yeah, I like Vegas in, a, in uh, the second half of that teaser with Philadelphia here. Again, we're going to get them up over a touchdown, uh, eight and a half points. Um, and I make the number a half a point here in favor of Kansas City. So, you know, basically a pick them. Uh, made the total 53. Just an interesting side note, just looking back here, Vegas now 7-0 to the over uh, at home as a home dog since they've gone to this new stadium. Uh, look, you know, they had that game last year around Christmas against Miami, had no business going over that win over. So, you know, 7-0 is not like they had seven games that just flew over the total. But uh, all seven games as a home dog have gone over the total for them. Both these, team, both these teams' top 10 in pressure rate, uh, so they're, they're they're fairly equal from that standpoint. Raiders number one in the league in big pass plays. Kansas City number 26 in giving up big pass plays. Obviously, they lose uh, rugs. They bring in Deshaun Jackson. We'll see what plays there. Uh, I think he's going to get some kind of playing time this week, whatever it might be, uh, that hopefully can replace that from a big play uh, capability. The Chiefs 29th in the league in big pass plays. They are just not getting big pass plays. A lot of that because teams are playing them a little bit deeper and trying to keep everything in front. We'll see if the Raiders do that or not. Uh, but surprisingly, the Raiders are number five in defending big pass plays, and they've had a couple good corners this year that have played pretty well for them. So we'll, we'll see if it comes from that as well. Uh, and lastly here, Kansas City, number 30 in the league defending the run. Raiders haven't ran the ball great this year, but if that allows them to just help them kind of keep the offense going and then also get the throwing, the passing game going a little bit, I think getting over a touchdown here uh, is of some value. And, and yes, the Raiders stumbled at the Giants last week, but 53% success rate throwing the ball, 65% running the ball last week, minus three in turnovers was really uh, what kind of uh, crushed them last week. They didn't play absolutely horrible in that game. They turned it over. They did actually move the ball some. Uh, I think they have a legitimate chance to win this game outright. Yeah, I'm leaning your way, Scott, with the Raiders in a teaser. I would be uh, tempted to use them. If there's one more teaser I play, then it's probably going to involve them. Last week, that Raiders game against the Giants, that was my misleading result of the week. The Raiders plus one and a half yards per play. You touched on it, minus two in turnovers. Also just one for six in the red zone. I think that can naturally correct itself quite a bit in the near future. And for the Chiefs, if that's what a turnover-free game looks like for the offense, then I think that was a bit of a wake-up call because we've just been waiting for those turnovers to go away. We finally see them go away, and we get less than four yards per play, so that offense still appears to be broken. My hesitation here is the number being shaded toward the three. I prefer to have a clean path crossing through it. Also a bit of a higher total here, so maybe some more variance than some other teaser options, but that's the only way I could look in this one. Chris, what are you looking for in the Sunday night showdown between the Chiefs and the Raiders? Um, well, you, you guys took a lot of wind out of my sails. Uh, Say it again. <laughs> the, the Raiders didn't play as badly as people think. It wasn't as bad of a loss as it looked. You know, it was disappointing. I had the Raiders. But as Matt mentioned, uh, they only came away with nine red zone points, uh, I believe. In I had five red zones, maybe it was six. And... Uh, the three turnovers, how do you overcome that? Uh, you know, any other game, they would have came away with the victory there. I don't uh, – I've got the Raiders in the top 15 in offense and defense. We didn't think they would be able to hold it up defensively the whole season, but they have been. Uh, and to give Kansas City some credit, we had I had them down at the bottom, 31-32 in defense. 
they've actually been climbing and getting better on defense. So uh, something to keep an eye on there with Kansas City. Uh, I don't think they've come within a, a touchdown of uh, reaching a total in ages. So uh, I like the Raiders here, plus the three only. Uh, the three is not available. Uh, I do like the teaser leg on that, but I'm not chasing teasers. Uh, I'm getting uh, – I just don't like another game enough to pair with it. Uh, at this point, but uh, that's where I'm sitting. If I get a three, I'm on the Raiders. Yeah, well, from one primetime game out west to another, this one pitting to NFC West teams, the Rams traveling up north to San Francisco, where the Niners are three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Total in this one, 49, up from an opener of 47. So we've been seeing some steam to the over. But, Chris, one possible fly in the ointment, some concern with the Matthew Stafford health situation. Yeah, I mean, uh, being familiar with him in Detroit, it just seemed like whenever his back would go out, then that would cause other problems. And as we all know, when we have one injury, we tend to overcompensate uh, other parts of our body, and then we get injured in other parts of our body. So uh, at Stafford's age, not that he's elderly or anything, but he's up there in uh, football years, uh, just something to be concerned with. I I still predict somehow, some way, he probably misses some time. and to let him be ready for the playoffs. Um, I think San Francisco is very, very average this year. Uh, And uh, at some point they're going to have to make the decision to sit Garoppolo and and get the kid in there, uh, get him some reps. Uh, This game looks like a a real spot for the Rams uh, to be really excited with OB, uh, OB, whatever, uh, uh, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr., <laughs> your favorite wide receiver. I know. Uh, he might make it into the lineup, and even if he doesn't, I think uh, th- there's euphoria in Ramstown again uh, as they uh, uh, they mortgage their future to try to win this year. So uh, I would lean toward the Rams uh, here. If that hits a three, I'd probably be on the Rams. I see it kind of trending down a little bit. Yeah, one of the big talking points in this one, I'm curious if either of you two have any thoughts uh, historically, it seems like Shanahan has gotten the upper hand against McVay. Do you put any stock into those head-to-head coaching matchups we've seen in the past? Well, I think you have to. Uh, you know, sometimes just coaches have uh, the other coach's number. Uh, you know, and, and as high as everybody is on the Rams, uh, I just noticed I've got them, like, toward the bottom part of the top ten. I've got them seventh, eighth, and seventh overall, offense, defense, and overall. So, they still have to do some things uh, to improve before they're going to get a recommendation that uh, they're the team to beat, quite frankly. Yeah, well, I can't let you off the hook uh, without explaining the Rams being at number seven. I think a lot of people still have them higher than that, despite last week's performance. What are the six teams you have above the Rams right now? Oh, if you want to look for a second, I'll just jump in with how I'm viewing this game. Uh, I see this as bet against versus bet against, so it's a reluctant pass for me. The Rams last week, Scott, we kind of touched on yards per play in that game with the Titans. I don't hold that so much against the Titans because the game state just didn't dictate that their offense do a whole lot. It was more a reflection of a no-show on the Rams' part, so I'm taking those yards per play numbers for the Rams last week with a grain of salt, a lot of garbage time production, maybe more cosmetic than anything else. 
and with the Niners also taking their numbers with a grain of salt from last week when it comes to generally excusing extreme turnover performances. But again, even without going minus three in turnovers, Arizona's backups probably still win that game outright. So not too impressed with either team lately. Going to see what I can learn during the course of this game. And Chris, really quickly, uh, do you have those six teams that are better than the Rams in your book right now? Well, there's only five better after last night, so. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, ever-evolving. So, uh, in no particular order, I have uh, New Orleans, Buffalo, Arizona, Dallas, Tampa Bay, and New England. Better than the Rams at the moment. Oh, wow. Uh, if I could uh, bet my mortgage on the Rams uh, over the Saints or Patriots on a neutral field, I, I would be quite tempted to do so. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll, we'll leave it at that. Unfortunately, we won't get they, back. Are they on the schedule? <laughs> those are the two that I'll push back on you. Um, not on the schedule. No, not, not on a neutral. And, and even if it's a Super Bowl matchup uh, with the Patriots, that wouldn't quite be neutral with the Super Bowl being in L.A. this year. But, Scott, let's get your thoughts on the Sunday night game. What are your numbers saying? What are you going to be looking for in this big NFC West matchup? Yeah, I uh, I made the number 1.7 total, basically 50. I was just looking back here to your other question. I had I had San Francisco last year when the Rams went here. Uh, Rams are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Actually, had San Francisco in the under. San Francisco won that game 24-16. I found your question kind of interesting, Matt, because I was looking at this earlier to say, hey, how, how have these two teams done uh, recently? But then, you know, the year before that, San Francisco was laying seven. They won 34-31 here against the Rams. Very close game. I remember that game. Uh, I had the under in that game, and obviously it didn't even come close to going under. Uh, and then the year before that, the Rams were a nine-point favorite and blew out San Francisco 39-10. to I don't remember the details from that game if someone was out for San Fran, but, um, you know, it wasn't real competitive. And then and then the first year, I think um, uh, that – they, they played each other with the new coaches. The Rams won 41-39 as a three-point favorite. So they won by two, didn't cover the game. So uh, it's been a little back and forth is kind of my long-winded way of saying that where I don't think San Francisco has dominated it from that standpoint. I was looking to play San Fran here, but, man, I you know, they so disappointed me last week with not showing up. To your point, they kind of moved the ball, but then they had turnovers and whatnot. Um I just can't trust this team anymore. And what I saw last week, I don't know where this team's going going forward here the rest of the year. Uh, you know, I'm not super impressed by the Rams. And I always think it's funny, the Ravens last week, Rams Sunday night, when you see a team lose, you kind of start to see all these deficiencies. And you got to be careful not just to, to just use that one game as your sample of to what to do with that team going forward. But, you know, the Rams certainly have some deficiencies here as well. But San Francisco just does not... They don't look good. Um, they don't seem to be getting things corrected. To Chris's point, at any point here, Garoppolo could get pulled. You know, that could be for the better or for the worse. Who knows? But um, I show a little bit of value in my numbers with San Fran, but I'm not playing San Fran, and I'm not touching a total either. Yeah, well, that takes us to the end of the Week 10 card. And as we transition to our best bets segment, uh, Scott, a question came in in the live chat from Mark Holmes asking your best side this week straight up, not teased. And uh, we can see it on the screen right here. It looks like, by all indications, that would be Buffalo laying 13. Scott also taking Seattle and Green Bay over 49. And a two-team teaser, the Eagles up to plus 8.5, hosting, or excuse me, paired with the Raiders plus 8.5. 
And I'm also teasing the Eagles up to plus 8.5, pairing them with Cleveland, which you can get up to plus 8.5 right now. Uh, I'm also taking Minnesota and the Chargers over 53, and the Saints plus 3. Chris, seeing eye-to-eye with you on that Saints plus 3 play, and Chris also on the Vikings plus 3. And for the astute listeners, uh, you may have also gotten some Patriots minus 1 in pocket. That was Chris's play on our Tuesday show. That takes us to the end of our Week 10 breakdown. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. And if you're with us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and you can go ahead and sign up at BetUS today to start building out your own Week 10 portfolio if you haven't already. Use the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus. Best of luck with your Week 10 action, everybody. We'll be back with you live on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific for our early look at Week 11. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.